Good morning. You're listening to the Sophian News Hour, brought to you by the Sophian, Smith College's independent student-run newspaper located in Northampton, Massachusetts. This show is hosted and edited by our social media director, Sadie Berker, and our editor-in-chief, Michaela Patel. In collaboration with the Smith College radio station, episodes of this podcast are broadcast live Tuesdays from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at WOZQ 91.9 FM. Otherwise, find us at any time on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let's get into it. So this week, we have an array of stories for you, which we're really excited about. The first one touches on Smith's vaccine clinic, which happened this past weekend, which is really exciting. We are also going to be touching on a piece of national news, which was the Derek Chauvin guilty verdict that happened a couple weekends ago. And we have some really exciting pieces about some student-led campus initiatives and events, and also some events by the Office of Multicultural Affairs. And then we're going to round out today's show by talking about the Smith Debate Society as the second installment of the Safian's new feature series, Going Clubbing, Zoom After Hours, and ending with a piece on the one and only Taylor Swift from our arts editor, Reina Okanogi-Neth. So yeah, let's get started. Let's get started. So this past weekend, Smith held its first on-campus vaccine clinic. This was at the indoor track and tennis facility to administer the first dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine. Um, And they chose this so that all students could get both doses of the vaccine by the end of the semester. Um, And also because they will be requiring that all undergraduate and graduate students are vaccinated before returning to the fall. Um, The vaccination center was also open to members of the general public, um, which is really great. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so they will be requiring vaccines. It had been speculated that they would do that, but now that they're offering it on campus, it's confirmed um, with medical and religious exemptions on a case-by-case basis. And they're also gonna be helping international students or other students who aren't able to get US approved vaccinations in doing so, so that everyone can be vaccinated by the fall. That's wonderful. That's really exciting to hear. And yeah, in terms of helping to alleviate some of the pressure off of Mm -hmm. um, local vaccine sites, vaccination sites and clinics, it's been really important. There were some 850 appointments mm-hmm. or something along those lines that were offered to the public after students um, were able to sign up. So that's mm-hmm. something really, really exciting. And we're looking forward to being fully vaccinated, Definitely. or I am for sure. We are sure. both half vaccinated right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, still so still waiting on the second one, but very excited to have that started. So next, we are going to touch on an event which made national news headlines. Of course, this was former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin's guilty verdict in the widely publicized trial over the murder of George Floyd. The verdict convicts Chauvin guilty on three counts, including second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. And this really follows a grueling three weeks for the Black community that saw numerous testimonies from witnesses, long displays of video footage from the incident, and arguments from the defense that revived immense feelings of grief among community members. Our staff writer, Helen Bazuna, reports 
that the verdict has been met with much, much controversy. So the aftermath has not necessarily been the easiest and has brought up a lot of feelings for a lot of people. Some are really relieved, of course, um, and many are celebrating the news as evidence of police accountability and changes within our criminal justice system, while others are experiencing renewed anger and sorrow over justice still yet to be served, especially in light of the recent killings of Dante Wright, Adam Toledo, and Makia Bryant. The article also touches on outrage over remarks made by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi um, that spoke of Floyd's death as a quote unquote sacrifice. But conversely, many have also expressed their gratitude for 17-year-old Darnella Frazier, who recorded the incident that sparked not only, of course, this trial, but also the nationwide protests of last summer's Black Lives Matter resurgence. And we are still waiting um, news of Chauvin's official sentence. Mm -hmm. But once that comes out, I'm sure that we will be reporting on it. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it's really been a week filled filled with news. Mm -hmm. uh, some and lots of lots of feelings. And the Smith College community is also very much feeling that. And the yeah. Sofine would really like to reaffirm yet again um, our commitment and solidarity with the Black community at this time, mm -hmm. including students, staff, faculty, community members. Um, we understand that this has been a really difficult few weeks. And year. And year, yes. But onto some more hopeful news that we hope will, you know, inspire a lot of you. We have a really exciting article on Smith College's Black Students Alliance. Um, sorry, Smith College's Black Students Alliance's uh, 13th Biennial Conference, which happened April 10th through 11th, and was which was entitled Investing in Ourselves, Black Wall Street and Collective Economics. And as the Sofian social media director and also a staff writer, I was really lucky to attend and report on this event, which was not only a reflection upon histories of wealth inequality and racial violence in America, but also really a celebration of Black resilience and ingenuity and a testament to BSA's vision for racial justice at Smith and beyond. So like I said, this was an incredible event. It was two days um, held virtually and featured an illustrious array of guest speakers and focused on themes of Black financial literacy, generational wealth, and self-determination through finance. Huge, big topics. So it was really exciting. And we would also like to point out that listeners can find highlights from the event, including moderated Q&As with the Wolfette of Wall Street, Lauren Simmons, and founder of um, and Tavanya Evans, founder of Wapcoin. Um, both of those Q&As are recorded on the Smith College Facebook page. So if you didn't get to a chance to attend the event, you can look at some of those videos and they're really great. The theme of Black financial liberation was really inspired by a lot of things. The first, of course, being the summer 2020 resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, but also the exacerbation of the Black-white wealth gap under pandemic conditions, and this lesser known history of Tulsa's Black Wall Street, which was the site of one of the worst incidents of racial violence in US history. So almost a century ago to date, um, a mob of armed white men tore through Tulsa's Black District of Greenwood, at the time an entirely self-reliant and thriving epicenter of Black business and culture. 
And the violence really was devastating. Um, but despite this devastation, the neighborhood was able to recover. And today their Black Wall Street framework has been taken up by many, including BSA in this conference as a model for Black economic progress and resilience. And more than just an intriguing topic, what was really great to see was that the entire design of the conference really drew upon this framework as evident not only in the BSA's choice of speakers, um, but also their decision to support Black-owned companies with their giveaways and their ability to draw on the network that they have built at Smith with numerous departments and offices on campus um, and also with other alums, one of which was a guest speaker. So that's really, really, really exciting to see. The Sofine was also able to catch up with Whitley Hadley, who is the Associate Director of Multicultural Affairs, and Diamond Mark, who is a junior at Smith and was one of the um, conference's organizing committee members. And they both spoke about BSA's critical role on campus in fighting for racial justice, which of course is something that we, if you are on the Smith College campus, I'm mm -hmm. sure that you know of. Um, and if you check out the article on the Sofian's website, www.thesofian.com, <laughs> um, you can see links where we have where we have directed you towards um, a living document that reports on updates that on the BSA's demands, mm -hmm. um, which is really important, and we hope that you all check that out. You can also find um, oh on that document updates on the required course on race, which is one of the BSA's, I would say the BSA's principal demand. Mm -hmm. So that Smith has been working really hard to make progress on um, with the folks at the Office of Equity and Inclusion. So please go check out that article. It was really exciting. And we are so, so like thrilled to be highlighting BSA and yes, the work that they've been doing. Kind of in conjunction with that mm -hmm. is an announcement about um, some programming from the Office of Multicultural Affairs. And we are here to highlight Mwangi Reads, which is a program designed specifically to connect students of colors and really all others interested um, to multicultural and ethnic studies literature by writers of color. And the last installment of this series is going to be this Thursday, April 29th, featuring Juliet Takes a Breath author, Gabby Rivera. And Gabby Rivera is a Bronx-born queer Puerto Rican writer um, on a mission to create the wildest, most fun stories ever. She's, also, she's a critically acclaimed writer, but she is also the first Latina to write for Marvel Comics, mm -hmm. which is something <laughs> so, so incredible. And it's just absolutely amazing that um, the OMA is hosting her. It's so cool. And she's going to be speaking on being an outgoing, outspoken creator invested in fostering better dialogue, inspiring radical creativity, and improving our most vulnerable communities. So that's something that you definitely don't mm -hmm. want to miss, especially because this is, again, the last installment of this series for the semester. And we also want to point out, too, um, in reference to both of these events, mm -hmm. that you should absolutely be keeping up with BSA and OMA. Yes. So BSA and Wangi sends out uh, <laughs> a newsletter, newsletter <laughs> that so you should definitely keep up with. As they well, always have such great yeah, stuff. It's so great. Um, but we do want to highlight really quickly that 
the Office of Multicultural Affairs, which encompasses, of course, the Moengi Cultural Center and mm -hmm. also Unity House, mm -hmm. is looking to hopefully, fingers crossed, open their doors to physically to yeah. the Smith <laughs> College community next semester as we transition back into our kind of in-person operating modes. Um, and BSA is also set to be hosting a symposium. So because their conference is biennial, in years that they are not hosting that, they host a symposium, which is a smaller conference event that focuses on a very specific theme. So we are going to be absolutely keeping up with that. We will be updating you on the theme, promoting it, um, and just doing our best to really highlight these really important BIPOC student-led initiatives and the work of the folks in the Office of Multicultural Affairs who do so yes, much for us. Definitely. So important and exciting to be highlighting all of this incredible work that Unity Orgs mm -hmm. and multicultural orgs are doing. Yeah. As even during the pandemic, like it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, to be hosting in a, a virtual event of that high standard yeah. was really, really, really incredible to see. And it was really well attended too. And that's something that I would love to point out is um, there were, I think over a hundred people registered for the event, mm. which is a lot yeah. <laughs> given- um, people don't want to go to virtual events. Yeah, people events do not want to go to virtual <laughs> events. Um, but yeah, so that was just absolutely really, really, really exciting. And I was really lucky to be there mm -hmm. and lucky to talk to Diamond and also to Whitley, yeah. who are both incredible. It's also just a nice reminder of all of the cool things we have access to mm -hmm. as Smith students. Um, and on Zoom, sometimes it can be like easy to forget that. Um, but it is really nice. Like mm -hmm. there's all of these incredible events going on if you know where to look for them. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very, very awesome. So, all right. So next up, we have the second installment of a very exciting new series and features, which is called Going Clubbing Zoom <laughs> After Hours. I love saying that name because I'm just very pleased with the pun. Um, so this installment is about the Debate Society um, and Francis Baker Tucker, our, one of our incredible features writers, sat down with President Nikki Schultz who was talking about how the online format has actually been working really well for the debate society so far. Um, and she was speaking to sort of this need for community and connection that everyone's kind of feeling right now um, and how they've actually seen an uprising in uh, new debate club members and people participating in debate. Um, they have frequent meetings and it seems like it's a very rigorous um, club, but that sort of brings them closer together. Um, and also their official season was canceled to be replaced by a series of individual tournaments. Um, and they're also implementing a new VP of equity. Um, Very nice. Who is finalizing equity-based legislation, which is gonna be implemented into the debate society's charter. Um, and they're just excited for an opportunity to grow, commit to their craft and become closer as a group. That's so, super exciting. We really, really, really love- little photo of mm -hmm. all of them on Zoom yeah. up on the website. <laughs> we really, really love this series. It's really exciting, again, to be highlighting student orgs and, mm -hmm. and the work that students are doing. Smithies, of course, are so busy. Yes. They, we love to fill up our schedules. We really do. And if we're doing the hard work, it's really great to be able to recognize that um, through the newspaper. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting. And if you are a member of a club or organization at Smith, which you'd like us to cover, 
for this series, please email us at safian at smith.edu. No, the, it's just safian at smith.edu. <laughs> Very <clarify>. important. <laughs> but yes, please reach out to us. We would love to cover your org. What are you doing? How are you adapting to the pandemic con conditions? Exactly. What is remote um, student organizing looked like for you? Let us know. We'd love to know. All right, so another fun piece of news, well, not news, arts and culture. <laughs> um, this is an article by Raina Okanogi-Neth, our incredible arts editor. Um, Illustrious. <laughs> and she covered Taylor's version of Fearless, which came out recently. Um, and this follows a battle over ownership of her first six albums, which were acquired by former manager Scooter Braun. Um, and she's Scooter. decided... <laughs> Scooter, <laughs> that name, you just know. <laughs> um, so she's decided to re-record and release those albums um, with a few altered words here and there. But other than that, um, it's pretty much identical to the original recordings. You can sing along comfortably. Mm -hmm. um, and so Raina was talking about how for, you know, diehard fans, the choice to listen to Taylor's version versus the original is kind of a no-brainer. But if you're just like, the casual listener there has to be some sort of appeal in quality to listen to mm -hmm. this versus the original um and obviously taylor's uh vocals have greatly improved <laughs> over the last 13 years since that first album came she out she was young she, she was, was young. very young she had that fake country accent you know <laughs> um but reyna was talking about how in some songs like Forever and Always, for example, you can sort of hear the like raw teen angst in that original version that just isn't really there now because obviously she's very removed from <laughs> her upset mm -hmm. in that moment yeah. of singing the original version. Um, but one thing she did highlight was in the recording of 15, it sort of adds like an interesting new layer now that she is so much older because that song is on reflecting on your youth and how much you don't know that you don't know when you're that young. <laughs> um, and that, you know how I feel about growing up in time. So thinking about that is just really interesting. Um, and yeah, definitely go listen to that album if you're a Swift fan. If you're not, you know, I respect it. I understand. Mm -hmm. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, I, I listened to the whole thing. Um, because it's monumental, really, what she's doing. I think mm -hmm. it's her her decision to take a stand um, is really admirable. And I think also, like, it's a no-brainer that artists should be owning their masters. Yeah. That's completely reasonable. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, of course, Taylor's been fighting a lot mm -hmm. um, for artists. She spearheaded the campaign against, I'm pretty sure, Apple Music mm -hmm. first. Um, but really, all streaming all streaming platforms for not adequately compensating artists. Um, and so she's really, really, really big on the scene in that way. And of course, like her re-recording these early albums just serves as a reminder of the fact that she is really the woman in music who is inspired at this point, multiple generations mm -hmm. of young women to pick up a guitar. Yeah only know approximately like four or five chords <laughs> and just have your feelings and write songs about it. And that's okay. And I think that will always be Taylor Swift's stake to fame. Yeah. Um, and what really makes her really special as an artist to so many people, including myself. Mm -hmm. I am not a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> um, 
I am to be honest. Uh, I am a fan of early Taylor Swift because when I was younger, I was that girl who picked up a guitar. Mm -hmm. I played guitar for 10 years. So, and also as a lover of music, if you guys didn't know, I am also music director for Woe Q, Mm -hmm. of course, our beautiful, wonderful, incredible, I don't know why I called the (laughs) org beautiful, um, but incredible um, partners in bringing you this podcast and this radio show. But yeah, as someone who just loves music, you have to respect Taylor Swift. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that I love her music um, in all of its various stages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But early Taylor Swift and recent Taylor Swift, really great. Yeah. And we are going to be highlighting those Taylor Swift eras. Indeed. Because Michaela is a true Taylor Swift fan. Raina is a true Taylor Swift fan. Yeah. And so we are only going to be playing music that she owns, that she is going to be making money from. Mm-hmm. All that jazz. So we are going to be starting by addressing the most important songs, of course, which were the ones off Fearless. Yeah. We have 15, Change, and Hey Steven. The first is the song that we touched on from the article that Raina talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is Michaela's favorite song, mm-hmm. and the third is mine, but I have no reason for why Hey Steven is my favorite song. So, Michaela, do you want to talk about Change? Yeah, um... I really like this song because I love just songs about growing and changing and how um, things are not stagnant, I suppose, um, which is another reason why I really love 15, which is another one of my favorite songs off the album. Um, and I think Rana made a lot of really great points about that in comparing uh, Taylor's version to the original um, and just all of the new context that listening to these songs takes as you listen to them at different points in your life, particularly with Change and 15, um, comparing how I feel about those things and songs now, as opposed to like when I was younger in middle school, listening mm-hmm. to Taylor Swift um, is just really fun. Yeah, that was exactly the moment as we were all in like middle mm-hmm. school and elementary school. She was blowing up. I was still buying CDs yeah. and also burning burning illegal CDs <laughs> um, myself. Um, but that was what everyone was doing at that time. Everyone yeah. was burning CDs. Yeah. Um, and Taylor Swift was absolutely, you know, a fan favorite for me. And I know I said I didn't really have a reason for picking Hey Steven. And it's only because I think that Hey Steven is just a good song. But it's not, I wouldn't say it's her best song off the album. I wouldn't, definitely not her most popular song off the album. Mm-hmm. It's just really great. It's the only song that I think really, really takes me back to that time. And that's why I picked it. I really, really like it. But every one of my friends, especially the ones who are real diehard Taylor Swift fans. I am surprised to hear that, yeah. Are like, why that song? Yeah, it's an interesting choice. And I don't know. I kind of like the humming. I kind of like... I I don't know. There's something something (laughs) about it. You don't need to explain yourself. Yeah, there's something about it. But of course, I mean, we all remember all the really popular songs. Yeah, yeah. Because Fearless was a huge album. It was. And it's still a huge album. Mm -hmm. But we are also going to be talking about... Evermore and Folklore. Yep, the two sister albums that Taylor Swift released, we think, in 2020. But Evermore might have been released in 2021. It might have been the very beginning of 2021. Yeah, it was... I think it was January. Don't quote us on that one. But they are her sister albums. Evermore, of course... If you follow music, you know that that was her winter album and Folklore was uh, the summer um, 
album and yeah so we all picked our favorite songs off that one as well i really frankly don't like evermore okay um maybe don't like is too strong but i just i wouldn't listen to it again Mm -hmm. except for two songs Mm -hmm. which are ivy and um cowboy like me Mm. those two songs are golden if I could honestly lose all the rest of the songs okay. and I could keep those two songs and I would be so happy. The song that I picked specifically for the radio show today is Ivy. Ivy and honestly Cowboy Like Me, I like them mm-hmm. because they have a lot more of that folk country, yeah. you know, aesthetic vibe sound that she really brought back Mm -hmm. which is something that I loved about Evermore and of course also about folklore and the one thing that really draws me to these songs I think is that they're they're perfect examples of how Taylor Swift through her very incredible obviously songwriting capacities and Mm -hmm. abilities um is able to just evokes such strong emotions yeah she's able to convey i think a lot of emotional depth in her songs and what's also incredible is about it is like ivy and cowboy like me never experienced those yeah never i in my life have Mm -hmm. i encountered a situation where i have been cheating on my husband (laughs) um and so ivy is just a great example of I think Taylor Swift at her best. And yeah. also just in general, the metaphor of Ivy growing yeah. up things, like that's just beautiful to me. Yeah. Um, so I love that song. And also Cowboy Like Me. So if we have time, mm-hmm. I will also play Cowboy Like Me. Yeah. But we have to see. Um, it's funny that you've said that because I feel the exact same way about illicit affairs off of folklore. Again, not a situation that I've ever been in personally. But the way that she describes it is just so vivid um, and she just like really paints a scene and you get a sense of like the characters and they're, I really love like the story based mm-hmm. music that she does. She just like paints a scene so beautifully and I feel that way as well about uh, tis the darn season, <laughs> tis the gosh darn season um, of me not cursing on the radio. <laughs> um, and I also just really love the sound of that song. I think it's so beautiful. Um, That's a song that I think is widely liked off this album. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the people that I know, like the Toast of fans that I know. But yeah, Tis the Darn Season, definitely a fan favorite yeah. and also really interesting because it's the only song that Taylor Swift has ever released that has a swear word in the title. Yeah. And a lot of people when she started making music with explicit words mm-hmm. um we're really surprised and i think that this is like the culmination of kind of her yeah. journey with that um and if we could go into yeah. the whole journey about Taylor Swift, <laughs> honestly because she's been through so many different phases mm-hmm. and i mean of course that's like her whole thing and yeah. many artists do that but you know in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. while I certainly have my reservations and criticisms yeah. of any all um, awards mm-hmm. and um, recognitions for, you know, and I'm also not a Taylor Swift fan, sure. but uh, 
barring all that, there is a reason why Taylor Swift won or was recognized as the female artist of the decade or whatever. Because we've really, really, really seen her grow up. Yeah, and we've grown up with her too. Yes, uh, yes. I don't feel that attachment to her, so I'm like reluctant to say that. But yes, we definitely did grow up with her music. I stopped listening to her music. Yeah. But um, yeah, she's really grown up in the public eye. Mm -hmm. And we've seen so many different sounds and so many different phases of Taylor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really full circle in a really nice way, of course, obviously, to see her re-recording her music. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, so you picked Tis the Darn Season. You also picked Illicit Affairs mm-hmm. for your favorite song off Folklore. Mm-hmm. My favorite song off Folklore was Invisible String. The same kind of, you know, nice finger picking sounds. Right. I really heavily relate to that song, the lyrics of that song. I think it's beautiful. I think it's wholesome. And that's the reason why I like it. There, I really did enjoy Folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Folklore. Definitely one of the top albums of 2020, for sure. Um, Undeniable. It's the song of the pandemic, or not the song, the the album album of the pandemic as well. There's no other album that encapsulates the experiences Mm -hmm. of artists like I'm so glad that we had that during quarantine, too, like. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's the, again, the the lyrics are so evocative that Mm -hmm. having that emotional release for a lot of people, if you are a Taylor Swift fan or you Mm -hmm. care or you're into Mm -hmm. music or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, was cathartic Mm -hmm. for many, many, many people. Um, And of course, the song that she did about her great-grandmother or her grandmother, Marjorie, um, that song too, really poignant because... So many people are grieving during this time, mm-hmm. um, during the pandemic. And um, so that was a beautiful tribute to not only, of course, uh, a loved one that she lost, but also mm-hmm. I think was something that a lot of people needed at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we, I'm not going to, yeah, we both really like these songs <laughs> that we picked. And I'm just kidding, kind of. Like, I do, I respect Taylor Swift for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do really like the songs we picked, and we hope that you enjoy them as well. Um, again, just as a reminder, if you, would, if you are not listening live and you would like to listen to these songs, you can head over to the Sophian Spotify page where you can check out the podcast and the playlist all in one combined playlist. And you can listen at your heart's desire at any time. Or if you are listening live and you would like to revisit this episode or any of our past episodes on radio, you can do that as well by going to that page. Thank you all for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune in next week. See you then. This was the Sophia News Hour. Hosted and edited by Editor-in-Chief Michaela Patel and Social Media Director Sadie Berker and brought to you in collaboration with WOZIQ 91.9 FM Smith College Radio. Thank you for listening. As always, you can read the full coverage of all of these stories at thesofine.com where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter and find links to our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages. We hope you'll join us next week.